encourage you, take out your Bible. Turn over to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Well, we've been talking about marriage. God's portrait of the gospel back as we began before Valentine's Day. We talked about the purpose and design of marriage. We talked about the roles and responsibilities within the marriage covenant. We talked about last week communication. Uh, as we talked to, about the tale of men's brains and women's brains, we saw that video. And we talked about how to be good at communicating and resolving conflict. And today we're going to conclude that series on God's purpose and design for the family. God's purpose and design for the family. Aaron Healy, a South Dakota state lawmaker, said this recently. Extremist group Family Heritage Alliance said this morning that the safest place for kids is in families that have a married mom and dad. What a dangerous and un-American belief, end of quote. Wow, this is a good place to start this morning. There's no doubt in any of our minds who are Christ followers that Satan has a target right on the nuclear family, the home of a husband and wife and children, as God set it out to be. I disagree with the South Dakota lawmaker. Most studies, if you find and study over the decades, whether it's an academic study, psychology studies, however you want to look at it, time and time again, they say the best way to raise kids is in a stable family who the family works and has a stable foundation and a mom and a dad. And that that is the picture of what will help as the parents are engaged in the children's lives. They have a much greater chance of their kids turning out well than those who have been in single parent homes, divorced couples, family, and same-sex marriages. Now we as a church, we need to be willing to minister to all these family types we see in our world today, they need the gospel of Christ. We need to minister to the moms and dads who are single parents due to a variety of reasons. And we have in the past, and we do even sometimes today. We need to be accepting of children from same-sex marriages and welcome them into our church, our Sunday school, and our Awana clubs. As Christ followers, we need to let the world know that God's purpose and design for the family was God's idea, and it cannot be improved upon it has been proven time after time over the centuries from the beginning in Genesis how we are admonished as moms and dads to parent throughout scriptures and that has worked well to raise godly kids. And when we do that and we obey God's commands, we see the blessings of that. George Orwell, who gets quoted a lot lately from his book 1984, says, The further a society drifts from truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. Let us be bold. Let us stand strong on what the scriptures say about marriage and family. So we're in Deuteronomy 6. I hope you have your Bibles open there. Verse 4, we're going to talk about the Shema. The Shema, this is the central doctrine to the Jewish faith. And of course, Jesus used it in the New Testament and added to it as well. But let's read this, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 for our scripture reading today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." 
And may God add his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. And let's pray together. Father, we commit this message in your hands. I'm merely your servant. Help me, Lord, to proclaim your word, not my opinions. And I pray your spirit would just flow through me and pray that our, our hearts would be open to what you have to bring to us today. We pray that you help us to be challenged, to be convicted, to be encouraged, comforted, however you desire to work in our hearts and lives today. May we be open to that as we share this message. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God called Israel out through Abraham. This is the background to this section of scripture. And he called Abraham to be a nation which was to be set apart for him. The end purpose for calling out Israel to himself was to not only bring the gospel to the Gentiles, but also to send the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the Gentiles as well. Israel was not the end in and of itself, but a means to the end. Israel was to receive the blessings from God and spread those blessings to other nations as they became receptive to following Yahweh. This brings us to the message of God, this section of scripture which we just read. As I said, the most important Jewish uh, document, a thing that they look to for, the, for their foundation for their beliefs. Deuteronomy 6.4 testifies to the truth of God. So the first thing you see on your outline is priority. Priority. We see that in verse 4. Their central focus, and it should be ours as well. Hear, O Israel, that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now this isn't going to be an expository message, but a topical one about how a family should function, but we'll highlight and discuss briefly this passage and some others as well. As I said, this is their centerpiece, and we see Elohim, the Lord, God, Yahweh. Elohim is one. God is at the center of the marriage and in the home when it comes to raising kids. Home is so important. Pastor Chuck Swindell, Swindoll said, home is where uh, people, kids, make up their mind about how they're going to live their lives. It's where life makes up its mind. And someone is going to raise your child. Either you're going to do it or the world's going to do it or somebody else. And so we need to be intentional, especially in this day and time. Parents need to be aware of the times that we're in and be intentional about understanding the enemy and his strategy. Yesterday I was over at Grandview Baptist and they had a parenting conference. And Brian Hausman was the main speaker. And I was just... Uh, blown away in those two sessions where he shared about all the things that are available to kids through cell phones. And I had no idea and some of the things that go on. And we as parents, we need to be aware of these things as grandparents as well. In 1 Chronicles 12.32 of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. You need to have a good understanding of the culture a great little uh, thing that comes to your email uh, inbox would be the culture translator, the culture translator. And it just gives you each week a little synopsis of what's going on in the culture and a snapshot in time. Parents need to give attention to being a student of the culture that their kids are in. Ask the questions, what is the environment they're in at school, at church, with their peers, programs your kids are involved in? You cannot assume that any of these are teaching your kids in support of what you're teaching at home. Maybe many are, but you need to find out and be sure. Kids face a variety of pressures, 
indoctrination and temptations today that I didn't have growing up. The challenges for kids and teens today to live for Christ and not get caught up in the world is overwhelming. They face tremendous peer pressure, good and bad, choices of the right kind of friends, challenges to their faith. If they're a believer, they're challenged that they're not uh, exclusive enough, but yet the word of God is open to anyone who will receive Christ as Savior. Should we believe in universalism, that all roads of religion lead to the same God, that if a Buddhist is sincerely committed, he's going to get to God, and God has uh, different names, but they're all the same God. They deal with cynicism and challenges to authority, especially in the classrooms and the schools. And we see the disrespect for police officers around our country. Media and entertainment choices, device and video game addiction, drugs, alcohol, legalization of marijuana in some states, and even hard drugs as well. Kids face social skills and how to have friends and develop healthy and godly relationships. In education, they face schools that may have agendas of what they're teaching, especially in the area of history. We think of the LBGTQAI plus sexual orientation and gender identity pressures that they face, and racial tensions, critical race theory, the 1619 Project versus the 1776 Project that's being taught. Kids need to be taught like Daniel in the book of Daniel and his friends in Babylon to stand up for what they believe and impact the culture that they are in. Even Christian schools need to be studied carefully before attending them, K through 12, Christian universities and colleges as well. This week I got a, read an article that said Christian K through eight school last year declared, their board of directors declared this, we stand with the LBGTQI plus community and believe in their holiness. So last year, their donors gave $333,000 to keep the school afloat. This year, they've received $14,000 and they're getting ready to close the school. You see, as you compromise, you lose. You lose the support of people as they did. So here you go, teach your kids to accept truth and reality as God defines it. Teach your kids to accept truth and reality as God defines it. God is the author and the creator of this world. He's the original lawmaker, whether it has to do with the laws of nature, science, or the laws for governing and protecting people from harm. The Bible is historically accurate and been proven so time and time and time again by archaeologists. The resurrection of Christ gives full approval of Christ's message of salvation, of who the true God is, that through his resurrection he points to Yahweh as the true God. And it's interesting that if you study the resurrection, uh, they talk to historical uh, people who were history professors, did not believe Jesus Christ, but they said there's 10 things, 10 facts that show that there's no way you can dispute that Jesus rose from the dead. So it's in history. It's not just something made up by Christians. So as the narrative of the Bible goes, it shows us how life is to be lived with God and our fellow man and all the relationships that go along with living in this world with other human beings. And it's well-defined in God's book. So we need to teach our kids from a perspective that God exists and from the Genesis teachings of how the world was created and God 
uniquely runs this world. In Colossians chapter 1, in Hebrew, Hebrews 1, it says, by God, all things consist and subsist. Everything that continues to work in harmony with nature to keep this world in order, the gravity that holds us down, the atoms and molecules that are working, all these things God is seeing to because he is the creator. The Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum are must-stops for Christian parents with kids at some point in their lives. One place I haven't been yet, the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., that would be another important place to take your kids, to see the history of the Word of God. Two books I highly recommend. You see them up here on the screen. One I talked about earlier, Sticky Faith. To me, that's the best book you can give to your upper elementary, junior high, high school kids to walk through to make sure that the faith they have is their own and not something that they were raised in in the Christian home. It's got to be theirs. There's no, uh, you know, we're all children on our own. The other book is How to Navigate the Culture. Great book for high schoolers. John Stone Street from the Colson Center is one of the authors. I just finished reading this book a few weeks ago. So I give you those, a practical guide to culture, how to help your teen navigate through the current things in this current time. Teach your kids next to affirm how personal the one true God is and worthy of worship. That's what this passage talks about in Deuteronomy 6.4. Teach your kids to affirm how personal the one true God is and worthy of worship. As parents and grandparents, we have to help kids discover, and that's the key word, discover, and make the gospel their own. Parents are to teach the principles of God's word as character building, teach kids to read the Bible for themselves, and teach them how to live out the gospel so their faith becomes their own before they move out of your house. Deuteronomy 6.4 begs for a relationship with God to reverently worship him. Kids need a great picture of their God as Father. In this book that we're studying in our men's group, Building Up One Another, chapter two, Gene Getz is the author of this book, and he talks in here about a story about a woman who came up after church, after he was preaching, and she wanted to receive Christ as Savior. And so he began to share the gospel with her, and she wanted to pray the sinner's prayer to receive Christ. And so Gene Getz says, let's bow our heads and you repeat after me. And he said, our father. And he paused and she didn't say anything. He said it again, our father. And she didn't say anything. He paused. Finally, he looked up. He says, what's the matter? She says, I can't say those words. My father sexually abused me when I was a little child. I can't say our father. So he said, our God, and led her through the sinner's prayer to Christ. Parents, our kids get a vision of who God is through the Father, through how we live, how we treat our kids. And this poor woman was severely damaged in her view of God because of the sexual abuse that she faced. As parents, help your kids understand the attributes of God and how he's worked in the past in the lives of his followers. This will help build their faith on the shoulders of Bible characters and the character of their mom and dad to solidify their mind that their faith is real. And then to build on that faith, to help them teach them to grow in the faith. 
So our application under our first point is this. As fathers and mothers, we are charged with intentionally living out and sharing who God is and how your kids can grow in relationship with him. It doesn't stop when they receive Christ as Savior. You need to give them the tools, the resources to model before them how they are to grow, to feed themselves at an age-appropriate place in order to do that. The next point is, in Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 6, proclamation. Proclamation. Priority, then proclamation. Look at verses 5 and 6. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You see the intentionality, the seriousness that this writer is giving us in these verses. Parents must tell their kids that all human beings are commissioned to love God with all their being. God created us to glorify him. God created us for a relationship with him. As we see all the way back in the early chapters of Genesis, that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. That's to be the norm in the home and at the church, that we're to teach our kids to seek holiness because God is holy. I have people tell me that God wants me to be happy. And I hand them a Bible and say, show me where that is. It says, God wants us to be holy. And if we are obeying him, blessings come when we obey God. But we also need to teach our children that life is not always fair. Even if you're doing your best to be in the word, to pray, to obey, even despite all those things, Sometimes God brings trials and tribulations into your life to knock off the dross, to build character so we're made more into the image of Jesus Christ. It took me many years to accept that. I used to think that if you did all the right things, check the boxes, you won't have any problems in life. That's just not true. In Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Remind your children, teach your children that God's measure of success is our faithfulness in obeying him, in loving him, in serving him and others. Remember over in the New Testament, Jesus quoted the verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And then he added, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so by serving others, kids learn how God can use them and what their personality and spiritual gifts are. We learn about God's love by studying and memorizing God's word, by worshiping at church, by being in a small group like after this service, a connect group with other believers and using what you're learning to love others through faithful service. There are lots and lots of ways for kids to serve. So parents, mentor your kids. Grandparents, model before them and help them learn how to love God more and to serve him out of love. And then parents must tell our kids that all human beings are commanded to do what it takes to keep God at the forefront of the heart. Remember what he said there at the end of verse 6. At the forefront of the heart. In Psalm 119, 9 through 11, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. 
Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We repeat those words every Wednesday night in Awana as our pledge to the word of God. Verse 11, I will be forever grateful for the youth leaders I had in high school who taught me how to study the word of God for myself, who taught me how to memorize the word of God and apply it to my life. I'm so thankful for the Bible teacher I had in 10th and 11th grade, Mr. Clam, in our Christian school. He was a retired pastor. And now he taught us to not only read the word, but apply it and memorize it, put it into your heart. In high school and college, the memorization of scripture was emphasized. And it's been awesome to have an array of verses at my disposal when I need them the most. When I have a Bible with me, I can call up a verse that brings comfort that helps me when I face temptation, that helps me to learn to be content in the circumstances of life, to not be anxious, but to pray. Awana is so vitally important because of the memory work and the emphasis on application that gives kids a balanced approach to internalizing scripture, you know, from three years of age up through sixth grade. First John chapter three, verse 16 says this, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, speaking of Jesus, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Don't just be one who talks about it. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but do it. Put it into practice. See the needs of others around you and show love, compassion, and mercy to them in the name of Christ. It's important to f- the kids find their identity in Christ and to see themselves as God's child. This brings tremendous security to kids as they grow into being a teen and wading into the stormy waters of adolescence. And when kids and teens are secure in knowing that they're loved by God unconditionally, it allows them the freedom to love others in a very rich way. This is evidenced by how they relate to their friends, or as Jesus said in the parable of the Good Samaritan, their neighbors, and not only relate, but how to serve them. And when it comes to teaching your kids about sharing their faith, it should be taught at a young age. Kids are more innocent and open to sharing the gospel as time goes on. We adults, we start thinking about, oh, I might be rejected. Oh, It might cost me a position in moving up the ladder of success. But kids, we need to teach them at an early age, just like giving to the church through tithing, the importance of sharing the gospel at a young age. I read an article this week in Christianity Today, the March 2023 edition of that. Three generations of people in East Germany who've been under communist rule until 1990 are seeing churches planted in their part of the reunited Germany, you remember 1990, around there, the walls came down that separated East Germany from West Germany, and now church planters are moving in. And they're saying that the people of the former communist East Germany are not hostile toward God at all. Instead, the problem is they live their lives, quote, ignorant and indifferent, end of quote, to God and the gospel. Why? Because they spent their lives not hearing about it in their homes. Three generations of atheism was taught through the communist rule, and it's affected them. 
They're atheists not necessarily by choice, but they do not know any better. These church planters know that it takes a long time for a skeptic to become a follower of Jesus. And I would say to you that that's a lot where we are even in Scott County and the Quad Cities as well, as we're the the 15th most post-Christian area in the country. So our application is this. As fathers and mothers, we must teach our children in so many ways how to love God and our neighbors as ourselves, to bring that to application, to carrying it out in our daily lives, modeling it so that our kids see it's a natural way to live their life. So make spiritual growth in your family as intentional as possible. And then we look to preparation. Preparation. We talked about priority. We talked about the importance of uh, pouring into your kids these truths. But now we look at preparation. Verses 7 through 9. Parents must verbally communicate God's truth. And that's what he goes on to say here in Deuteronomy 6. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Do you see the intentionality, the priority, the purpose the parents need to instill in their kids the importance of the word of God. In verses 7 and 8, the Jewish parents were commanded to prepare their children to have a biblical worldview by using everyday common events as teachable moments about God. I don't know if you've been looking up at the sky the last week or so, but you've probably seen Jupiter and Venus, right? There was a couple TV stations that got phone calls thinking there were aliens out there. They didn't know what it was. But Jupiter and Venus are aligned in a unique way right at this time. And we see God's order, God's design, God's handiwork. We see astronomers can predict these things because the way God has set up the laws, he has made it predictable to see what he's doing because there's order in the universe. And that's a great way to teach our kids that the the, uh, world around us, his creation screams to us of God's handiwork and declares there is a God who is sovereign, who's in control of the universe. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Verse 4 says that he preaches through his creation, his handiwork, that he is the sovereign God. So use everyday examples to point kids to God. We're coming up on the season where you'll see caterpillars crawling around pretty soon. And, you know, early summer, they'll wrap themselves in cocoons, and then we see the butterflies. It's a great example to teach our kids that we have a body that is, that is temporary, and that one day, because we're a believer in Christ, we're going to take on a new body, the resurrection of the body. As we go through our day, look for teachable moments to point kids to God and to see how God is involved in all aspects of our lives. Allow kids to see how you as parents see God work all around you daily. So be a human phylactery. What is a phylactery? Well, I think we got a picture up here of a phylactery. There you go. So these Jewish rabbis take this verse very literally, where it talks about putting the scripture on the frontlets of your forehead, 
That is a little leather pouch with 613 commands based on the Ten Commandments. And it has a string that wraps around and they tie it. And they wear this to literally fulfill what this verse says, to keep the scripture, the commands on the frontlet of your eyes. Now, I'm not saying you go out and buy a phylactery today, but we need to keep the word of God at the forefront of our minds. Be an intentional disciple to teach your kids to grow and be a disciple of Christ. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Parents must visually, not verbally only, but visually communicate God's truth. As we said many, many times, kids learn more by what they see than what they hear. We must as parents and grandparents do all we can to model Christ with our attitudes, with our motives, how we treat other people, our words, our actions. We are to walk the talk. We're to show our kids what a lifelong disciple looks like. We need to talk to them about the, how we study God's word to learn more. Always praying and showing how you as parents trust and depend upon God for wisdom, for strength, for courage, and all the other character things in the word of God. Having your kids see that as moms and dads and sharing devotions with your kids. Spouses talking about what they're learning in God's word and praying together as a family for their needs and the needs of others around their family. All these are great teachable things to build into the lives of your kids. All these ideas and more are so essential in building a living and meaningful biblical worldview that will stand up in a culture gone wrong all around us. So the application is this, as fathers and mothers, we must be the storytellers of God's word in the lives of our children with our words and our actions. People are watching the story unfold. And I realized very much too late how quickly your kids live in your home. They're born and snap of the finger, they're 10. Snap of the finger, they're 16 driving a car. Snap of the finger, they're headed off to college or the military or out of your house. We have a limited time to be intentional, to pour in to these kids. So many of you have been to a lake, I'm sure, and you've taken a stone and you've thrown it in the water and you've seen the ripple effect go out as that stone hits the center and then it goes out from there. I want to close with this story about the ripple effect of one simple, ordinary Sunday school teacher. And many of you probably know this story. The man was Edward Kimball. He was teaching a group of upper elementary boys in Boston. But he went beyond teaching on Sunday morning. He would go and visit his boys throughout the week and talk to them about the gospel. He studied their life. He learned about them. He learned about their family. And the day came that he would go and talk to them and lead many of them to Christ. In Edward Kimball's words, this is what he said about D.L. Moody. I started down to Holton Shoe Store. D.L. Moody was a sixth grader working in a shoe store in Boston. He said, when I was nearly there, I began to wonder whether I ought to go just then, go in during business hours, or I thought maybe my mission might embarrass the boy that when I went away, the other clerks might ask who I was and when they learned who I was, they might taunt the boy and ask if I was trying to make a good boy out of him. While I was pondering it all, I passed the store without noticing it. He was very nervous. But then he says, I found 
uh, I found I had gone by the door and I determined to make a dash for it and have it once for all over. I found D.L. Moody in the back part of the store wrapping up shoes and paper and putting them on shelves. I went up to him and put my hand on his shoulder and as I leaned over, I placed my foot upon a shoebox. Then I made my plea and I feel that it was really a very weak plea. I don't know just what words I used or could, I, could he tell. I simply told him of Christ's love for him and the love Christ wanted in return. That was all there was of it. I think he said afterward that there were tears in my eyes. It seemed that the young man was just ready for the light that then broke upon him. For there at once in the back of that shoe store in Boston, the future great evangelist gave his life and himself to Christ. Well, the story doesn't end there. Edward Kimball had just witnessed and led to Christ D.L. Moody, but D.L. Moody became a great evangelist. And John, John W. Chapman attended a revival by D.L. Moody, and he accepted Christ. Then Chapman began preaching, and a baseball player for the Chicago White Sox named Billy Sunday came to the revival, and he got saved, and he left baseball and became a traveling evangelist. Well, as he preached across the country, there was a guy named Mordecai Ham who came to faith in Christ at a Bible study that week and came forward at the invitation at uh, Sunday's revival to share publicly that he had professed Christ as Savior. And Mordecai Ham preached a revival in North Carolina, and a young man named Billy Graham came forward and came to faith in Christ. Now, that's the rest of the story, and you recognize Edward Kimball's name. Think about that small pebble, that one little boy that came to Christ and how it's affected the world for eternity. God wants to use you as an ordinary parent to do great things for God in the lives of your children. Don't ever forget that or underestimate the influence you have on your kids. The most important question that should be on a parent's mind about their children is this. Will my kids be with me in heaven? And what do I need to do to make sure that they are there? That's the most important thing about raising your kids. Will your kids be in heaven with you? And what do I need to do to make sure they are there? Here's the key thought. Will you be the best representative of Jesus? You can be as dads and moms for your children. You're the most important person in their life. They're the one they're going to look to more than anything else. And then more, then they will remember more about their childhood and how you raised them. So here's some questions to ponder this week as we close. How are we sharing and showing our children that God is truth and how we live in God's created world is the only one true reality? Folks, there are so many alternative realities out there. And they're trying to tell you that Christianity is just one of many and men made up this story. But ours is rooted in the word of God. It's rooted in history, I should say. And the word of God is rooted in that. And reality is defined by God. Second of all, are we doing a good job of imparting our love for God and for our neighbors to our children? Do you see how we serve those around us, those in need, serve in the church, using our spiritual gifts? And thirdly, will our children say when they leave home that they saw Christ live through their parents' lives? That should be your prayer your goal as well. God's purpose and design for the family. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Maybe you're here today as a parent or a grandparent. 
God has spoken to you. You need to make some changes. You need to maybe be more intentional. But you need to be more open to finding those teachable moments to teach your kids. Life goes by so fast. The opportunities are limited. We can see God all around us each and every day. Maybe you're here today and maybe you say, God, I want to I want to be more intentional. I want to be more focused on the needs of my kids and my grandkids. And maybe here today, maybe you'd want some prayer. I just encourage you to to lift your hand. No one's looking. I just want to pray for you as a parent or grandparent to say, I want to be more intentional. I want to be more focused. I want to be more aware. Yes, yes. Anyone else? Yes. Numerous hands. We all need to, we all get distracted. We all get things out of focus. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for these uplifted hands. My hands lifted as well. Lord, I'm just struck by all that come at kids and all that they face. Lord, how can they hear that still small voice for all these words that are being put out there in the media. Help us, Lord, to point them to that still small voice. Help them to to know that they can go to the word of God. It's a love letter written to them personally with the instructions of life and how to live them out. And may we be good models, good testimonies, living in front of them of the word of God. We pray and commit each one that raised their hands and all of us to be more intentional, to be more focused, to keep the word of God in the forefront of our minds. We pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen.